My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. My name is Kevin Williams, and I am joined this week, you're not going to believe it, he is here, people. In person. Mr. Robert Harrison. Good to be here. How are back you, in our home studio at the firehouse. Back at the firehouse, back from all the craziness of the rock and pod that we've been talking about forever. We finally made yep. it through the episodes covering that, and we are back to somewhat normal. And then we got kicked out of our normal studio last week because... How about an update on that? Because you've, you've talked about this. So you had a, oh, I can't remember if I talked about a, it or not. You had a movie made here. Yeah, so I got kicked out of my house for over a week because a film crew set up and filmed a movie here. We'll announce it when it, it probably won't come out for another six, eight months. And it was a legitimate film, not a wink, wink, you know, film. Oh, it wasn't one of those. No, it wasn't. And they actually paid me. Mm. So it was, it was good. They didn't work it off. But yeah, it's nuts. They filmed not just in my house, outside my house, next door, in the parking lot next door, pissed off my neighbors. Oh, God. It was, I don't, I mean, they, they paid Paid well, but I don't know if it was enough to make me want to do it again now that I know how much work it was. I mean, destroyed my hardwood floors downstairs. They're going to have to pay to refinish those. Broke two windows, left trash everywhere. Hmm. And there wasn't even a famous person in any of this thing. So Jamie Presley from My Name is Earl Mm -hmm. was in the movie, but Mm -hmm. not in a single scene that was shot at my house. So I'm Mm -hmm. upset about that. Jamie Presley. I get to get credit in the movie for special effects. So I stepped up when they needed a special effects person and their guy couldn't make it that day because of... Fired it up, did you? fired it up and I will get credit in a movie for special effects so if you're, I'm happy about that if you're new to the podcast because we do have a lot of people who are checking this out for the first time after the rock and pod we actually it actually worked we actually got some listeners so yeah. if, you, if you're sticking with this after the rock and pod episodes a little background so we are in Atlanta Georgia which has become sort of the new Hollywood in a way so Hollywood of the South. please don't say that it's again Yollywood. I'm not no we're not saying that <laughs> I am I am yeah, not you, supporting you're, that you're not supporting okay so right, it's Holly weird yeah on the East Coast. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Hollywood of the South, I like better. Uh, Hollywood of the South. That's okay. very dignified. So anyway, and Robert just happens to reside in an old firehouse called the Old Smyrna Firehouse that you can go check out online. If yeah, just like Google to. it. Google it, people. And uh, you better tell them how to spell Smyrna because that's not a very common word. Smyrna. S-M-Y-R-N-A. Smyrna. Not Smyrna. Smyrna. Just Smyrna. outside of Atlanta. And we found out there's one in Tennessee as well. Yeah, we, we actually drove through there. Right. Right, right outside Nashville. Sister city up there in Tennessee. So, yeah, so movie crew got home from, how did this work out? I can't even remember. I'm blurred. We got home from Rockin' Pod, mm-hmm. and then they you had a couple crew. days or something like that. I had one day, yeah. and the, uh, the crew showed up to start decorating my house. When I say decorating, they moved all of my furniture out of my house into my garage and other places, brought in wacky looking furniture, crazy stuff. Like a, if you're 21 years old and you won the lottery and you're living in a big loft, that's what they were making this look like, like a party house, which it already is, but it has some dignified, nice furniture in it most of the time. But they had you have retro. I have retro stuff. vintage. They were doing like retro, They were right? doing. There was a pool table, uh, ping pong table, air hockey table, uh, upright video games, which you they would just, leave. You should have just had them leave one of those. They did. Oh, they did. They left the, the uh, ping pong table. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that. Didn't they have a claw with that, for a, beer? A beer? Yeah, so it was a, a beer claw, claw game, machine. But it, you, they put beer in there, and you would you know claw for beer. Could you actually get it? Did you try? I. It was never on when I didn't see, it, but I get I did get to play the video game. 
games. They, they would go home about midnight most of the time, and I would play the video games after they left. And then two nights they shot all night long. And so because of the absolute insanity going on around here, we did one, uh, the most recent episode over at your That's right. rock and roll studio downstairs. We, and we talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, that's a pretty we cool place the, to We were in the it. Kiss Room. I, awesome. I need a better name for it, though. No, we, I don't. The can, kiss somebody, is, can somebody come up with a name for my studio, what it would be? Yeah, let's see. The, I, I, I usually am good at naming things, and I just have never come up with a good I'll name I'll have one it. by the end of the episode. Okay, good. So we're back over here, and I'm still cleaning. I mean, just right before we started, I was finding water bottles sitting outside on a window ledge from the crew. They had you know, huge cranes and lights and everywhere. But yeah, my neighbors hate me now, in addition to all the other crap well, that I do. Now, did some of your neighbors get paid? Uh, after I told the movie crew that, hey, my neighbors hate me. Can you go do something about that? And so they went, you know, gave them a little something, something, but still like, keeping them up all night and they got kids. Right. So, but anyway, it was, it was an interesting experience. Learned a lot. Don't know if I want to do that again, but they're going to have to pay me next time, a lot more next time. Well, after you film a movie at your house, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, the Slam Fest podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podkiss, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast, The Synaptic Empire, and don't forget about Monty's Rockcast. Come visit us at inobscurity.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Enough said. The Talisman Room. That's what you're going to call it. The Talisman Room. We talk to those guys. Yes. <laughs> They can stay in if they come over. <laughs> They're from Smyrna, Tennessee, so they have a place to stay. That's right. Homeboys. Okay. Ronnie James D.O.G. He just rubbed against my leg. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> He's kind of active tonight. Hopefully he settles down so we have to kick him out. All right. Well, D.O., I need you to go get the, the radio because I don't have anything for this week, so we're going to have to do a little radio All right, a little tra- tuning in. A my l- transistor radio yeah, that the I transistor. listen to in the kitchen. D.O., go get it. Go get it. Fetch. Good boy. All right. Now bring it back. All right. No. Bring, bring it here. Here. I'll go get it. All right. Here you go. All right. It's heavy. It is. Well, it's old, right? Everything yeah, you have tubes. is retro. Everything's here. My brain. It's like a little Coca-Cola radio. It'll make the little... <laughs> you turn it on. <laughs> All right. Let's try this thing out and see if we'll see what we get. Burn my house down. This is 103. The nice. school bus is overturned and is now blocking the intersection of Mass and Prospect in Central Square. Five Cambridge youth were pulled from the wreckage. No report on their condition. My name, Corey Lug Brennan. Here's some brand new music coming at you. You wanted a bus, but you got the bus. The hottest band in the world. Rush. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Wow, that was I, very retro. Wow, I think I know what we're going to do. Good afternoon, everybody. Let's take a check of the weather outside. <laughs> Partly cloud up a slight chance of afternoon thunderstorms. Going to be a hot one tonight. So I miss those guys. Yeah, you me don't too. hear that anymore. Everybody tries to be cool. I'm very happy right now. So this just happens to be, I mean, God, the spirits are just amazing, aren't they? It's it just happens to be Gene Simmons' birthday today. Gene. Happy 72nd birthday to Gene He's Simmons. He's been just torturing David Lee Roth lately. Well, you know, they're going, they're on tour, right? So he has to cause some mayhem oh, online, get some, get some, some uh, social presence yeah. so that people get riled Publicity. up. Yeah. I fell for it. This week, we are going to do episode 92, Covers from Beyond, Tributes to Kiss. Nice. All kids. Everybody should do a tribute to Kiss. <laughs> we should have. And if you need information on who Kiss are, well, they're about... 
15 podcasts that you can go deep on every week. So we're probably not going to spend a lot of time telling you who Kiss is. (laughs) So Gene Simmons' socks that he wore in 1978, they actually had slight discrepancies from the left foot to the right foot. There were so many podcasts on Kiss. Now, I I love several of them. And you listen to a lot of them. I do. I've listened to a lot of them over the years. Now, not so much now as I used to, because now I try to to diversify a little bit. There's only so much you can know. There's still, there's great content out there still. I'm Mm -hmm. so impressed. Podcast Rock City, Joe and, and the guy. I don't know how you guys come up with this stuff all the time, but they they talk it every week. Amazing. But we're going to focus on bands that have covered Kiss. And if you have uh, a a certain record that we're going to talk about later, you'll know exactly where that clip came from. Go get the record (laughs) and and hold it while you listen to the podcast. Exactly. But we're going to start out with a band that's not so obscure. Now, usually we would go deep on obscure bands covering Mm -hmm. somebody, but this is a not so obscure band, but you may not know about this release because it came out before they had their big breakthrough. So I'm talking about White Zombie. Most people were introduced to White Zombie in 1992 and think that's when they started, Mm -hmm. but it's not the truth. They started in the 80s. They were a noise rock band in New York City in 85. So from 85 until that big breakthrough in 92, they were kind of in this transition from punk, noise rock to metal. Mm -hmm. And after two albums and a couple of EPs, they got a new guitarist named Jay Younger, and he kind of had them change their style because of his playing. Mm -hmm. So they became more metal, more groove metal, which is what we all know them for. Specifically me, I was turned on to them with that Thunderkiss 65 song. What a great... Such a great song. I I still think that's the best Rob Zombie song ever. That... uh... I, I love Dragula. Yeah, I, I like that, that one too, but, but, but something Thund- about Thunderkiss Thunder started it. It's it's just really good. And I actually, I love the band White Zombie probably more than I ever have the Rob, Rob Zombie stuff. But I don't know. That's just me. You know, just an old dude. But the last EP before they signed to the major label that gave us, you know, the hit Thunderkiss 65 was called God of Thunder. Mm. A complete ripoff, isn't it? Mm. And it featured on the cover the band in kind of a black and white, but it was kind of greenish tinge to it. And they are holding a guy kind of hostage by the hair who has Gene Simmons demon makeup on. And somehow this was a, you know, a young band. Somehow they were never sued by Mr. Simmons. And this is before that anybody knew who Rob Zombie was. Right. Really. And that, maybe that's why they didn't get maybe, sued. Maybe. But I'm, I'm just when surprised. When you got no money to sue. Maybe. I don't know. But we're going to play the song that the EP is named after. That starts off the EP, God of Thunder. And one thing I'll say about Kiss is most people know God of Thunder as the signature song. It's on Destroyer. It is a song. It's a Gene song. It is yeah. Gene, right? It's his character. That song was written by Paul Stanley. <laughs> And Bob Ezrin said, that's not you. Good song. That's not you. Gene's going to sing it because it really speaks to his character. And if you think about it, can you imagine the star child singing God of Thunder? No. That would be kind of weird. God of Thunder, you guys. (laughs) So let's hear a little white zombie doing God of Thunder in their newly found groove metal ways at the time from 1989. You wanted the best, but you got the best. Hey, now wait a minute. Stuck on this.
Rob was just one of those musicians that if you had played that and not told me who it was going to be, I could have recognized him in just, you know, five seconds probably. And it's just great to hear that because that type of singing, you know, there's a huge world of people out there doing from death metal, just hard rock metal to have that really good growl to him. But he can take it two or three steps further and just set himself apart as a singer and a, you know, just a performer, a front man, all that. But so he gets this guitarist that you mentioned, helps shape their sound, which helps propel them to stardom, fame and fortune. And then he goes, yeah, I don't need you guys. I don't need you guys anymore. <laughs> Yeah. So as much as I respect him for that, then I'm like, you know, with, with where everybody has a dick or you just saw, I don't have to share my money anymore. I'll and, just make it all myself. And now he makes films. And he makes films. Well, you know, that's cool. You, you can retire from music and do whatever you want, but it's it sucks when I hear people like that. just kind of, you know, did the rest of them ever do anything else? And he just kind of went, eh, screw mm-hmm. you guys, I'm out. Not that I'm aware of. You're absolutely right. He kind of used them and abused them and yeah. left them alone and See did his own thing. And his last name Zombie. So just like Cooper, he could just keep going. Going. Exactly. People, it was so his, no big deal. Yeah, they think it's his band. I always felt like Rob Zombie was, you know, he wears his influences on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. So he is part Gene Simmons, part Alice Cooper. You know, mm-hmm. the the makeup, the, the horror shock value, yeah. the the shock rock that he's trying to do. But he always brought it somewhere else, somewhere new. Yeah. So he borrowed, yet he took it somewhere new. So I always respected him. Gene's was more cartoonish, and Alice was kind of campy, horrific, kind of. I guess back then we're looking at it from yeah, forty from years then, later. I, I guess say, it was kind of you know avant garde back then. Yeah, he was kind of scary, but at the same time he was silly. So yeah, yeah. It, Rob Zombie's always played horror movie. Yeah, he's always done more of the horror thing yeah. than he took it further than anybody else. Yeah. At the Ma- time. And Marilyn Manson ran it to the ground. Yeah, and you could even say he borrowed from Wasp because Wasp yeah. did a lot of that stuff too. The horror horror stuff and and just the the gross you know not a huge fan of the cover i'll be honest with you i think it's it's all right it's kind of like they threw I, it together in of a, course a i own it yeah because it is what it is You're and i'm a kiss nerd judge it but, but yeah it's not bad there were no kids screaming in the background you know, that always the, bugged me on the because i knew it this, take you out of the moment well let me tell you how i how i knew god of thunder so when i got into kiss and and for those of you who don't know i'm a kiss nerd i they're my favorite band aficionado uh-huh nerd and yeah so when i got into kiss it was 1986 and i got the latest album that it was out at that time, which was Asylum. Now, most people do not really care for Asylum. I loved it. I mm. fell in love with it. And the next thing now, I was got... That, that was without... That was the 80s glam Without version. makeup. That was without makeup. Different guitarist, different... Yeah. Yeah, it was Bruce drummer. Kulik. It was Eric Carr on drums. Yeah. But I knew Kiss. I remembered Kiss from when I was a kid just because of all the exposure. I mean, they were pop culture mm-hmm. back in the 70s. I remember that as a kid. And I remember I used to draw Kiss just from seeing them on the TV. Mm-hmm. I would draw them. And my mother would tell me that, uh, don't don't draw those. They'd go to Devil Church. <laughs> devil Church. That's, that's on the other side of town. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, I've never seen yeah. a Devil Church. They have a great church. buffet that's, at that's Devil really Church. That's really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. What is that cover dish like on mm, Wednesday night? Deviled ham. <laughs> oh, Devil yeah. Deviled eggs. <laughs> Devil's food cake. They have There's a lot of gas. I want to go to that church. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'll take all of that. But that that was my knowledge of Kiss. And then when I got that tape, it was the same year that I got Kiel's first album. So I started transitioning from being a punk rocker into kind of exploring glam metal and just metal in general. Metal so curious. I, yeah, so I was metal curious. So I got Master of Puppets from Metallica. I got Metal Church in the Dark. And I bought the Kill album and I got a Kiss Asylum. And of course, as soon as I heard Kiss, I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I knew Gene and Paul and I, I was starting to get in the magazine. So I knew who they were and they would even have like retro issues where they would show pictures. And so I just mm-hmm. started gobbling up images of them because back then it was really hard to find out information about Kiss because in they the 80s... They were very close uh, with their info. There well, was well, And just in the 80s, it was like everything was about then they didn't really in the 80s there was no retro not until the end of that decade did people want to start looking backwards oh okay let's go back back in the day they uh, procured a lot of their PR like oh they're out and you're trying to get a picture with them without makeup oh right right well that was a big 70s thing yeah but I I didn't get to live through that really I didn't know about that but no I'm just saying when I found them in the 80s it was like all I could do to just find content there was not Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff there was no internet and finding information back then either They didn't have any published books or anything like that. So I didn't know about record shows and things like that back Mm -hmm. then. I was just, you know, I was ninth, ninth grade, maybe eighth grade. And so anyway, my second cassette that I bought was Alive 2. And I'm getting back to God of Thunder. My my second cassette I ever bought was Alive 2 because it was a double cassette. And I thought, oh, I can get, you know, it wasn't quite as expensive. Twice as much music. Exactly. Twice as much. Not quite the same price. It was a little cheaper, right? So yeah, bargain hunt, Kevin. That was a deal, man. And so I got Alive 2 and I remember listening to it and just, hearing Ace Frehley's guitar was at that point in time was like nothing I'd ever heard it was like kind of punk rock to me because that's what I was into Yeah, but it was kind of wasn't as flashy it wasn't flashy glammy guitar and in in like Eddie Van Halen style and I was just so mesmerized by this is really bizarre I love it and God of Thunder at the time was my favorite song because again I'm coming from being a punk rocker and the version of God of Thunder that is on Alive 2 is very raw and it's when Gene's voice was he's doing this thing he's doing that really grumpy old man voice <laughs> and so I loved it and I remember letting my cousin who I've talked about my cousin Sandy he's the one that gave me that heavy metal tape yeah, the right? cassette, yeah. because I was listening to this at my grandmother's house one Sunday afternoon and he hears me listening to Kiss and that's when he's like oh you know come with me come to my yes. car I will school you and I was tell him how much I love Kiss. He's like, what's your favorite song? I'm like, oh, this one. You know, Stuck in God of Thunder from Alive too. And he's like, that's your favorite Kiss song? <laughs> he totally, of, of he totally downplayed songs, it. Dude. He's like, like, dude, really? So, I don't know, maybe he was a Paul Stanley guy. I don't know. But, He's yes, that Chris used guy. to be my favorite song from the Alive 2 version. When I finally got Destroyer and I hear the little kids mm-hmm. and, and all the effects and everything. The studio didn't do it for me. Too much Pink Floyd I, uh, I wasn't aware of that at that point. Yeah. I wanted raw punk rock, you know, and, and Kiss were kind of like a bridge to me because mm-hmm. I didn't have much to reference at that point in time so to me they were like a a bridge between punk rock and this glammy metal that i was starting to get into and i was getting into iron maiden and metallica at the same time but that was like much heavier much faster Mm -hmm. so anyway a little bit of my history what is your history with kiss like how do you come into the kiss world i remember my first kiss song was i was made for loving you the disco kiss song i appreciate that yes (laughs) i was i remember hearing it on the radio so what was that 77 79 79 you have the vinyl sitting 
sitting on your floor. In the oh, yeah, I should know that, yes. <laughs> so late 70s, hearing it on the radio. I was nine years old, but it still is like, oh, that's kind of catchy. And then my cousin in Alabama had uh, you know, just not a redneck, but still small rural Alabama, had a Camaro. Country boy. Gets out wearing a Kiss shirt. Oh. And I'm like, is that the, the band Kiss? Yes. And same thing. I had relatives later on, you know, like, oh, that stands for Knights in Satan's Service or Kings in Satan. You know, they would Which make is absolutely some, true. Is <laughs> If he can make more money, it stands for, you know, keep it Stanley stupid. A couple of nice Jewish boys. Jewish That's what boys. they're going to name their, their band. Exactly. A couple of nice Jewish boys. So, yeah, that was my first introduction to it. And then I didn't think much about it until, like, on MTV, seeing them without makeup and going. Did you remember seeing that reveal when they revealed themselves? No, 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 no. I, like, a video came on, and I'm like, these guys are ugly. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, at 14 years old, I'm like, yeah. you know. And two of them weren't the guys that you probably thought. Yeah. Well, that's the problem was I didn't know it was two different guys. They didn't have makeup. I'm like, wow, these guys look completely different without makeup because they are completely different people. (laughs) Didn't pick up on that. And it wasn't until uh, the unplugged thing was 90, 91. Okay, see, I don't don't have any timeline for that. That's when I really, it started becoming 95. Yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, before I met you, it started to become nostalgic, mm-hmm. and it was like going back. And of course, by then, classic rock radio had all five of their, maybe three of their radio hits. Oh well, you were lucky. Where we were, never. Maybe rock and roll all night every once. Yeah, in a while. Detroit, no, Rock City. I don't know. I can't think of a third. Maybe two or three. Let's just say that were staples on classic rock radio. And so it was always from the late eighties, nineties. It started becoming cool again to go wear a Kiss shirt and things like that. And then by the late 90s, it was obviously cool. I mean, it was just retro. Yeah, I I got a lot of shit at my high school because I was the only kid in 1988 wearing a jacket with a back patch of, well, it's still the jacket that I wore at Nashville Rockin' Pod. It's the same jacket. If you saw me walking around Mm -hmm. with a Kiss jacket on, that was the same one. You haven't washed it since. (laughs) Never been washed. It smells great. Stands Uh, up by itself. Smells like deviled ham. (laughs) Now it does. (laughs) But yeah, I was the only kid walking around with anything Kiss, and it wasn't then Kiss. It was Kiss retro right it was kiss with the yeah and i'll tell you this those patches that are on that jacket i went to some school trip to myrtle beach south carolina on this school trip and i only had so much money that my parents gave me right i'm about i think i'm maybe 15 and it's like a science trip and it was like an outdoors club mm-hmm. thing and so we camped out but we went into myrtle beach for i don't know a to, day trip to day trip or whatever night trip and there was this rock and roll store it was it wasn't a record store but it was like they had memorabilia it was like a hot topic yeah, for- exactly back then but it was like a mom and pop thing and it was right by their pavilion so you know it was where all the rednecks hung up so they sold a lot of patches and stuff so I go in and I spent every dime that I had on those patches that you see on my jacket to Mm. this day and then I had to borrow money from the teacher oh that's embarrassing to eat like what happened to your money I'm like I bought these patches (laughs) (laughs) I've got my priorities man yeah If that teacher is worth a damn, he would have understood and been like, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I would have done he the same thing. He was pretty young, so I, I don't remember him giving me a hard time. Yeah. I think when he saw what I got, I was like, hmm. Oh, right. Kiss and good trade. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the 80s, anything Kiss was not cool. It was not cool. Not cool. It was, and I, it wore, I wore makeup Kiss, so people yeah. didn't even have a reference unless they just nah, remember that was when they were a little 70s kid. thing up until the 90s, and it was like all of a sudden it was okay to admit that you're in a Kiss. I remember walking around the, the campus at Clemson wearing my Kiss shirts. And the, sometimes the looks I would get, this was early, you know, early 90s mm. and before the reunion and before all the nostalgia and everything. And people just looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> 
When was the reunion where they were under the bridge in New York and it was televised? Yeah, that was 97. 97. Okay, so yeah. that was after. So the, I was, the, I was the unplug in happened. Atlanta, then, yeah. And then they had enough positive reaction to that that they decided to come back. That's right. Yeah. So they, that's like I said, that was about the time I got into them again. I think everybody did because oh, yeah, it, it was yeah. old enough to be cool. Exactly. It needed those 20 years for, yeah. for that to happen. It's That's kind of the cycle. Span, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to another song. And you just mentioned an album called Dynasty, and that was your first piece of history for yourself, right? That's where I was made for loving you. A lot of people call that album the Disco Kiss album. And there are two albums that came out, 79 and 80, which is when that band was really falling apart. They were doing everything they could just to, to keep the, the appeal. The machine the, going. Yeah, the machine <laughs> going, the cash machine yes. going, because because that was prime time for them in pop culture. But they were winding down, and Peter Chris was a mess. Ace Frehley was a mess. And so they came out with Dynasty in 79 and then Unmasked in 1980. Peter Chris doesn't even play on Unmasked. He's credited, mm-hmm. right? And it was the appearance was that he was still with them, but he wasn't. Those two albums are produced by the same guy, Vinny Poncia. And I have never cared for his production i just don't think those two albums have enough balls and a lot of people call those the disco albums to me they're just a little too light Mm -hmm. in the mix i think they have songs that could be heavy so why don't we give you somebody covering one of those songs so on dynasty there's a song that paul stanley wrote called magic touch and i'm gonna let you hear our good friend mr Vinny apathy show you how this song could have been heavy so there is a compilation album that came out that has this super group which is Vinny apathy phil narrow who happened to be in talus mm-hmm. with billy shan steve major and jim crean now some of those names you may not recognize but jim crean comes back just a couple of years ago into the kiss world because he was the vocalist who was supposed to be on the Vinny vincent comeback shows that never happened Vinny scheduled these things and charged people you know an arm and a leg and then never put them on he was going to be the singer for that that never happened so he, he comes back into this world and then i believe carmine uh, Peace. 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 Very good. Very good. good. Was supposed to. I was waiting for you. Was supposed to play (laughs) with Vinny as well. So it's just you know this whole world of the Apici brothers here. Well, there's they're appearing together on a podcast by our friend Aaron Camaro and Chris Senzak. Yes, and it just when you're reading it, it's easy because you choose which way do you pronounce it: the Peace Brothers, Apici Brothers, Apici, Apici Brothers. And actually, Cobras and Fire. I heard Baco say Apici the other day as well. So (laughs) (laughs) we're not alone with that. Good. Good. I don't know who came up with it, but it's it funny. Misery loves company. <laughs> so anyway, this is on an album that another podcaster actually put together. There's a Canadian podcaster journalist named Mitch Lafon. Some people may listen to Mitch's podcast, but he put together in 2013 a Pledge Music funded tribute album, which was a benefit for cancer care. And he got all of these, a lot of Canadian artists, but a lot of artists and kind of made these super groups that would go in and they record a song and they mm-hmm. put it on this album. And, you know, it was all to benefit all cancer three, care. All three super groups. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> of them. Mostly, again, mostly Canadian because it was produced by a Canadian podcaster. So anyway, this particular band does a rocked up version of Magic Touch. So we're going to let you hear this. The name of the album, which has a ton of tracks and everybody should go buy it because it's really good. It's called A World With Heroes instead of A World Without Heroes, which is a Kiss song. It is A World With Heroes 2013. We're going to listen to Magic Touch again. Vinny Apathy. She's got the magic 
that should have a special place in the Smithsonian where if you want to know what the 80s sounded like, just put on some headphones and listen to that. That's just the quintessential 80s. Great job. Not not taking away anything from the singer. Sounds great. The recording's great and everything. But just that song structure, the lyrics, the cadence, everything just is 1980s. It's good. It's a good thing. Except it's just dangerously close to sounding kind of like what Dirk Diggler was recording in the studio <laughs> and Boogie Nights. Like it's only a couple of steps away from that, but like done well. If somebody took Dirk's song and actually recorded it well with a singer, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, obviously a deeper cut from Dynasty. You yeah, don't, not, you don't hear that one live. No, never. No, they don't. <laughs> but that came out in 79. So Paul Stanley was, you know, he was on the edge. He was yeah. grasping at something. But when you hear the production, to me, that's on Dynasty, it still sounds very 70s. Here yeah. is a band with mostly artists who came from the 80s, yeah. right? Giving it their, What year was this recorded? This was recorded in 2013. Okay. But they... But these are older artists. But it's like they captured 1985. Yeah. Yeah, not late 80s, but 84, 85, somewhere in there. I would love it's to hear amazing. I would love to hear both Dynasty and Unmasked yeah. with just chunky guitars like this and just rocked all the way through. It, those it, songs are really well written. Yeah. They just it's don't a well written song to me. It's we've done several episodes on newer bands that have that classic 80s sound, but with the, the guitars, the production, everything else going in, you just know, okay, this was recorded recently, but that's that recording with that song structure, with those guitars, with that vocalist, mm-hmm. everything together sounded Very like 19, 80s. early, yeah. mid 80s. I'm it's perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I love like that. Like I said, I, it's not disparaged at all, but it's amazing how some songs go for glam rock and just sound like newer recordings. And then you've got those. Th- thunderous drums from the quintessential yes. 80s drummer, Mr. Vinnie Apice. I mean, he was killing it in Dio in those years. And those that's the same thunder that he brought to Dio. He's bringing did you hear a the, Kiss song. Did you hear the little lookout in there? There's a lookout. There was a lookout. Lookout! 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 In fact, that was I want, a very Dio lookout. Yeah, that's why I, I came up with an idea for a t-shirt. I want the rock and roll devil horns and above it to say, Lookout! Lookout! <laughs> no no copyright infringement? Done. We don't have to worry about licensing or anything. But everybody, well, anybody that somebody will know what we're talking about. That's right. So we're going to focus on some of the deeper cuts and maybe some of the Kiss songs that you don't know. And here's another one that, well, when Kiss released it, it was on an album called The Elder. Oh, yeah. Which is a very, very polarizing album, even for the biggest Kiss fan. I'm not even going to give an opinion because I don't want to lose friends on this. Yeah, so The Elder came out in 1981, and it was panned by most people at the time. It's their worst selling album of all time. The most cocaine used during recording, though. Most cocaine snorted by a producer ever, I believe, Mr. Bob Ezrin. He did this after doing The Wall. I love the story. We've talked about it several times. They thought they were going to get this amazing (laughs) wall-like production and fame with this thing. They had a concept that Gene came up with, which was kind of bizarre for Kiss to be doing a concept album you know kind of sword and sorcerer very 81 yeah but not Kiss very Dungeons not and very Dragons Kiss. <laughs> yeah more Dio than Kiss and Ezrin producing him it should just been you know Grand Slam no not so much he's a whiff <laughs> Also the swinging a whip. Also the first album with Eric Carr. Poor Eric Carr. He uh, comes, he joins Kiss, and this is what they give him to play <laughs> seriously? on. Seriously, and it's their worst selling album of all time. But some of the songs are pretty, pretty damn good. Mm. It's just it didn't work, and it takes a German queen of metal 
to make these songs Ooh. sound good. I am talking about Doro Pesh. And if you don't know who she is, if you've ever heard of a band from the 80s called Warlock, a German band, they had a pretty big hit song on MTV called All We Are in 1987. Ah, yeah. That's Doro. Ah, okay. So I she, actually remember that. Yeah, so she goes solo in 1989, and she tapped Gene Simmons to be her producer in 1990 for her album called Doro. That was her first real solo album. Her, her first solo album was kind of a Warlock album that got renamed mm-hmm. Doro. But this one was, this was her going out on her own, doing her thing, and Gene brings in this guy named Tommy Thayer. Mm. Now, Tommy Thayer just happens to be the guitarist in Kiss right now, so he's been Gene's collaborator for a long time. And Gene and Tommy collaborate with Doro, and they put together these songs, and, you know, Gene being Gene, uh, he wanted some points, I'm sure, (laughs) and so... He's like, hey, I've got this song that that, uh, was on the older, and maybe you can do something with it. And so she covers Only You, which is kind of a mellow song on the elder, but Doro puts her German metal queen touch to it. So let's check out this song from her album in 1990 called Doro, This Is Only You.
that voice can make me write bad checks. I know, right? But millennials won't know what we're talking about. They don't write checks. So it's this paper thing you would write your name on and promise to pay out of your... Never mind. Never mind. What? Huh? Oh, was that Venmo? She could make me <laughs> have a Venmo transaction that didn't go through properly. <laughs> See, it just doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't. Yeah, it, does it, it really doesn't. But that voice is amazing. God. So mm. good. And that it was does that was her prime. Her voice is just, God, it was amazing. Yeah. Man. I love that Warlock album that All We Are Now I've got to go back and listen to it because I remember the name. I don't remember what it sounded like. So, yeah, we'll have to go do some research after the show. Really good stuff. Well, we've played all metal bands thus far, so you're thinking that this is a metal episode. No, there are other types of bands that also dig Kiss. Pan flute? And <laughs> yes, no. here is what was the Zam- pan flute guy? Zamfear. Zamfear. <laughs> What's it get? If you're under 40 years old, you may not know who that YouTube, is. YouTube, but I guarantee you it's on oh, YouTube. Oh, my God. Yes. So Z A M. Fear. F I R? No, it's not P H. Zamfear. Z A M F I R. Pan. P A N. Flute. Yeah. I, th- you I like- bet if you. I bet if you Google Pan Flute, he will come up. Because really, who else? Because back in the day, there was a TV ad for, it was Zamfir, the magic of the Pan Flute. Sold truckloads of CDs. And they were selling an album. I think it was like a cassette at the time. And it was basically the hits of the time played by this guy on this cover songs, like elevator cover songs (laughs) with a Pan Flute. And it would show him rocking the Pan Flute out, doing motions with it. But I'm sure he's retired many times over, you know. He was a laughing stock, but at the same time was laughing at all of us because he was, you know, probably filthy. We need Zamfir shirts for next year's yes. uh, festivities, I believe. Yes. So in the nineties, Kiss they basically put together their own tribute album. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Kiss My Tribute Ass, to themselves. Tribute to themselves. Of course they would. Where they basically got their own songs. They got artists to cover their songs and it was a mixed bag. It wasn't just metal bands it was came out in the 90s so they were mm. trying to appeal to the masses of that time yeah and they were doing so by having bands like toad the wet sprocket cover rock and roll mm-hmm. night they had garth brooks doing hard luck woman you know they were trying that to fits. they were trying to take all of these artists that were very thin mm. and have them cover kiss and hopefully appeal to a, a wider audience. smart man because they're very smart people <laughs> marketer and you know they put out revenge it didn't do so great they toured that for a while and then they figured you know we got to have a different approach the next thing that came out after a Live 3 was this tribute album to themselves. <laughs> I mean, who puts out... Nobody else I've ever no. seen anyone put out a tribute album to themselves. Yeah. And they did. And it was... I thought it was pretty brilliant. So it showed me that there were other bands who could interpret Kiss music that weren't just metal bands. Mm. And I'm going to play one from 2014. So this is still happening today. And I love that my punk rock past comes back because this is a punk band. You could call them emo because in the 20 teens, you know... Anything that was punk was sort of considered emo or a broad term. But anyway, this is a band from Brooklyn via Minneapolis. So band was formed in Brooklyn, but everything they sing about is very Minneapolis, Minnesota, because the singer, that's where he's from. This is a band called The Hold Steady, and they've had eight albums. They put an album out this year. So from 2004 to 2021, they're still out there doing this thing. They're sort of a punk band. They have a lot of good cred. They're not one of these emo bands that people now don't want to talk about. This yeah. is a band that still has a lot of cred, and they're just sort of... Of a, I don't know, purist in a way, but they cover a Paul Stanley written song, and this is a song I've already mentioned what it was, but this is a song he wrote with the intent of giving it to Rod Stewart. What? Yeah, so Hard Luck Woman was written by Paul Stanley 
with the idea that this could be sung by Oh, I can totally see that now. And of course, that's not what happened. So Eddie Kramer said, no, let's let's put that on Rock and Roll Over. We're going to get Peter to sing it because Peter has kind of that raspy voice. And so that's what they did. And a lot of people think of this as a Peter Chris song. No, this is another song that Paul Stanley has written that another member of the band sings and it becomes kind of their signature thing. So Rock and Roll Over, a lot of people nowadays say that's the greatest Kiss album of all time. Debatable, obviously, depending on what you like, because I love that album, but you know, some people say Destroyer, some people say the early stuff, but it's it's in the second trio of albums that came out in the 70s. Definitely check that album out. But here is Hard Luck Woman by a newer artist. This is the Hold Steady from an EP they put out called Rags. And Rags is in the chorus of this song. So pretty cool. 2014.
yeah, I've never heard this really good version of that. And I also never knew that they were saying rags. Rags. I thought it was reds. I thought they were saying red. Like communists was, yeah. or something. I thought they were talking about a redhead. Red, oh, Back red, in the day, I thought yeah. red, I thought the like sailor's candy. only dollar. Yeah, it's, uh, that's rags. I still don't know what they're talking about, but that's, yeah, I learned something new every episode. <laughs> One little thing every time. I love that version, yeah, man. It's, it's a good, it's, it's real rootsy real and just. Oh, and his voice. I'd pay money to go see that. Yeah. You know, that's that sounds like I'd be a good show, yeah. that band playing that, just kicking it. You're not crowd surfing for that one? You can no. Maybe, you it's know, a kickback, drink beer or yeah. kind of band, I think. Which is one of my favorites. You're standing up, getting pushed around and people spilling beer all over you. I don't miss those days. Like trying to feel like you need to be right up front to get a you know good view of the band. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm the smallest guy there. I'm a buck 50 soaking wet. So people go, oh, I can get past that guy. So every five seconds, somebody's bumping me to push me all the way to get to the front. So yeah, the bands like this, mm-hmm. that you're allowed to just stand there or sit and listen to and enjoy the music. Yeah, this is an old man talking. But, <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> damn right. I That's paid right. my You've dues. Heard, you paid your dues. I have paid my dues, found myself on the floor more times, gotten him. How many fights did I start because of guys doing that and I would pour beer on them? But no you one, always managed to get away. Yeah, or blame it on the guy next to me because exactly. they would look at me and go, there's no way this guy just poured beer on me. He's half my size. And I'd be like, what? I don't know. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just it was always trouble. So yeah, after the third beer, somebody was wanting to kick my ass. Hmm. But anyway, I digress. All right. Well, in 1990 was the first time that I ever saw a Kiss covers compilation or a tribute album. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I ever saw one. And I was at a record store and I saw this album and it's called Hard to Believe, a Kiss covers compilation and it has like a blurry picture of the Kiss faces on the front. Yeah. I'm assuming so they wouldn't get sued. And I turn it over and I see a whole bunch of punk bands that only one of them do I really know and that is All, the band All, All. who I love All. That was formerly The Descendants. They changed their name to All and they sold a bunch of less records and Then they went back to the Descendants later because that was an oops. But All is brilliant. They were great. But anyway, that was the only band I recognized. And I thought, oh, this is cool. It's got All in it and it's Kiss. All right, cool. I'm in. And I bought it. And there was another band on it that I didn't remember until later that they were on this thing because they had the worst song on the album. This band was called Nirvana. Oops. And the song that is the cover that they do on this record is just absolutely horrendous. It's almost like they're taking the piss out of Kiss. And it's it just comes across that way. It's just See, they bad. put the S, X, and Sex, take the piss Take out the of kiss. kiss out of kiss. You should yeah. send that to Paul. It's He'd a, write a song about it. You're right. <laughs> send it to Gene. It's a birthday. Gene, congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, they, Nirvana does a, a cover of Do You Love Me on it, and I had forgotten about this band, Nirvana, until you know, until the whole explosion, and then I go mm-hmm. back and I, I start my Nirvana collection with Bleach, and then I realize, wait a minute, I already had something about Nirvana on this Kiss thing that I hadn't listened to in a while, and sure enough, yeah, it's the worst song on the album. But it's the reason that this album is still known to this day with a lot of folks is because it's, you know, there are only so many recordings with Nirvana. Right, they weren't around long. They weren't around long, so this is one of the things that has existed. Now, I said previously that the 1980 album that came out by Kiss that featured Anton Figg on the drums, even though it didn't say that, mm-hmm. was Peter Chris's last album that he was his face was on, but it was a power pop gem. But the way it was produced and the guitars and the bad keyboards, it just didn't have enough oomph for me. I always... Yeah, just it feels flat, and I always wanted more guitar, more drums, just more in your face, more 1980. 
Yeah, we were. It's power pop. That's that cool. Direction. But put more oomph to it. You know, the car still had some bombast in 1980, and they were power pop. So anyway, I always wish it would have been heavier. Well, here's a version of a song off of that album called "Is That You," covered by a band called Girl Monster. Now I'd never heard of this punk band, but they're an Australian all-girl punk rock band, sort of a rock band. But in Australia, they did fairly well. They actually toured in 1990 with Skid Row. They opened for Skid Row in Australia. Skid Row was flying in high. In 90, then. they were top of the pop. Yeah, and then they also played with the Buzzcocks and the Ramones. So they did okay in Australia. We just didn't really know about them here. But here is a kick-ass version of a song from Unmasked, covered the way it should be covered, mm-hmm. with lots of guitars and oomph. Oh, 
that's one of my favorite guitar tones. Is it what I think that is Les Paul? Probably running through Marshall. Yeah, I mean it's just it's very classic. simple. It sounds like simple. you're in the room with them. Yep, you know I all love that. that stuff. I like it's just yeah. it's the reason I love Motorhead. Just yeah. straightforward, not Plug in tons effect. You can hear the you can hear the hum of the yeah <laughs> hum of the tubes before he kicks it in. Yeah. So yeah, all that great song, and I never would have recognized it if you told me that was a Kiss. Yeah, their yeah. version of it. Well, I mean it's a pretty deep cut. You know, you'd have to really know Unmasked because yeah. that was a very non another non Kiss sounding album. They had three albums in a row that were pretty non-Kiss sounding in a way. So they had Dynasty. Yeah, they were trying to unmask. They were starting morph. to chase, starting to chase trends. Yeah. You know, and then they came out with The Elders. Like mm-hmm. The fact that they even survived past a string of three albums that didn't really yeah, sound like Yeah, what are the them. band? Would have, anybody yeah. would have listened to them. I mean, Aerosmith almost tanked. They had... I mean, they, they were basically done. They were yeah, done. They were done. They had a fluke and then it just they kind of resurrected Run DMC, themselves. Yeah. yeah. Kind of helped them, really. Yeah, so I... A lot of people pan this whole compilation album because it it's one it's punk bands that you haven't heard of mm-hmm. from 1990 so they're you know most of these recorded I'm assuming in the late 80s when glam was huge and punk was still very much going back underground before the big alternative explosion where it came back out mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but I dig it man it's it's bands basically just plugging in and covering kiss songs that you wouldn't expect punk bands of that time to play kiss songs so I think it's pretty cool it's far enough removed where this nostalgia and the cool factor is there again well it just proves that you know we were all kids at the same time mm-hmm. and in 1990 you know they're probably a little bit older than, than maybe you and I but we all they remembered, older, they remembered the kiss you know, from the days. We all had that older cousin from Alabama that drove a Camaro. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what it seems like. So how about this? I mentioned my very first cassette tape, my very first kiss album that I ever owned was from the glam era. It was Asylum. I hardly ever go to YouTube for songs. My whole thing is I want to own it, right? Well, I had to go to YouTube for this song because this is put out by a YouTube kind of sensation who I only know to have two songs that I even can find on YouTube, but it's by a guy who goes by Double Virgo. And what he did was he took a song from 1985's Asylum, which is very much 80s sounding. It's Again, it was Bruce Kulick mm-hmm. on guitar and Eric Carr on drums. So it was very much, it was Bruce's first album and it was very much of 85. But what he did was he interpreted one of the songs as if it were written in 1976. And it's really, really cool. So he took Secretly Cruel, which is a Gene song from Asylum, and plays it like it would have been on Rock and Roll Night, Rock and Roll Night, (laughs) on Rock and Roll Over or Destroyer. So check this out. Yeah. 
So we probably should have played a snippet of the original one right before so we could compare and contrast. I could do it right now. So Want to snippet? Rewind. <laughs> this is before the song. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear the Kiss version real quick. Yeah, let's do it. That's amazing. Same song recorded much more recently. Two thousand eight is when it was sounds like it sounded like to late seventies. It sounded like late seventies kiss. And not only did yeah. he he get the Gene voice, uh-huh. he got the Gene style bass playing. Mm-hmm. It's the same guy doing all the instruments. I think added the piano in the background. He ding, added ding, the, ding, he ding, had ding, the Christine ding, sixteen that, piano. Exactly, Christine sixteen. Exactly. He, um, he, we, we don't talk about that song anymore. <laughs> we know that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually see this to girls your age, but when I saw you coming out of school that day, creepy, man. That's just creepy. Even in 76, that was creepy. In 76, that's the thing. We look at things, oh, you know, that was a different time. No, it was 1976. That was creepy. It was still creepy. Anyway. Anyway. So the song that we're talking about, though, not creepy at all. All the elements, like you said, you you named the voice. Yeah, but he he not only had Gene, but he had the Peter drums. I mean, it sounded like a Peter Chris drum pattern to that song. Kind of tappy, a little swingy. Yeah. And then he had... The ace guitar leads. Mm-hmm. I mean, just dead so on. So you think he's listened to a lot of Kiss in his time? He might be a Kiss fan. Okay, he <laughs> might be a Kiss nerd. Because yeah, he went through and specifically every note in that was he thought about in the, the sense that yeah. The only uh, thing I couldn't pick out is a as a Paul Stanley reference, but I mean the rhythm a, guitar is the yeah, rhythm but guitar. A, so. Yeah, he's he's just jangling in the background. It's a Gene song, so yeah. I, I just thought it was that's brilliant. fascinating. I would love to hear a whole album done that way. But it was also cool because I'd never heard their original so. While the retro version was playing, I'm now, I was picturing, okay, what would they do to make this song 10 years later? Like they're going to remake right. this song in the 80s. And yeah. it was exactly how I would imagine it with the over the top lyric. I mean, the harmonies and just big, the, the big reverb on reverb, the vocals yes. and, and lots big drums of reverb. And That's really cool. I wish there was more examples. Kiss is one of the few bands that you can pull things like this off the internet. Well, somebody did that to it. Yeah, the great thing about Kiss is I think people that aren't into them. What just do you mean, great s- thing? Like there's one thing great. Well, about I'm Kiss. just saying one of the great things about <laughs> Kiss. Come on, sure. I'm a Kiss geek. Yeah. But I think people that aren't into them don't realize that they actually do have a lot of facets. Yeah, they they, morph, they were they they've been around for over 40 years, so they've had all of these different versions. They've had different players in the band, and until recently, when they added new players, they brought in flavor. They brought in mm-hmm. something different. Now, when they the band that they have currently is really more of a legacy act. They yeah. focus on trying to be that band. Solid. 
solid every time yeah. they show up on time. <laughs> they're yeah. sober. They, they, you know, they're salaried. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 401k, health benefits. Yeah, no. It is what it is. They're a legacy act now. But yeah. that's fine. That's cool, man. They're actually going to be here in Atlanta in like, a, I think this weekend. Are maybe. they getting this weekend? This weekend. I think they're doing the amphitheater. Yeah. And guess what? It's not at the Mercedes-Benz? No, it's at the Lakewood. Oh, and guess what? What? Guess who's not going to be there? You. I'm not going to be there. I was going to say, I would have heard about that. Yeah. I oh. always go to Kiss, but this time, I the last time I saw Kiss, I took my family mm-hmm. and I said, it's the end of the road tour. This is the second show that I've seen. I saw them in Vegas with some fellow podcasters. And then I saw them in Atlanta and I took my kids and I kind of said my goodbye. Yeah. I thought in, that in was your gonna, way. In my way. I thought that was going to be the last time. So I kind of said my goodbye for this tour. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I did find out that, you know, they're going to do a little thing in Vegas. A residency. So residency next yeah, year. Well, that's so. why they said end of the road. They were yeah, very specific about yeah. road So I'll probably tours. go to that, but yeah. I'm not going to go see them again on this tour. I kind of already right. said right, my so piece here. But you're, you're being recorded. That's in crazy. All, in all honesty. Yeah, it's crazy. At that show that you said your goodbyes to, did you get a little misty? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> But at the same time, I had two little girls <laughs> oh, with me. You so dad. You're like, it yeah, no, it's good. I got some eye here. Well, no, we good. had to leave early because I, oh. <laughs> you know, I had a six-year-old and she was she was starting to fade. Yeah, she didn't stick around for the grand finale. So she didn't even get her favorite song, which is "Shouted Out Loud." We didn't get to it. Oh, so, poor thing. But anyway. I digress. Let's talk about a shoegaze band. Now, Ooh. could a shoegaze band possibly no play a Kiss song? No. Maybe. They're slowcore slash shoegaze. Did you ever you ever know that there was a genre called slowcore? Slow no. A, apparently, it was a thing. I thought shoegaze was odd enough, but apparently so not. So, shoegaze is more of a British thing. I guess slowcore was more of an American thing. Okay, so of course we got to be different. This is a band from San Francisco called Red House Painters. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, they were. I think they were even on Saturday Night Live at some yeah. point in the '90s. But it was very much a '90s band. But they kind of did these slow, kind of dirty, mm-hmm. shoegazy like. songs, which, which are I like. pretty cool, which you totally love. So yeah. I guarantee you're going to like this. And they put this out on an EP, same as White Zombie. They didn't get creative with the title of the EP. They just named it the song that they were covering. And this is the Shock Me EP. Oh. They cover an A. Ace Frehley no. The first recorded song sung by Ace from 1977's Love Gun, Shock Me, his signature song, mm. and you're going to tell me that a shoegaze band is going to play this song. Oh, boy. Check this out. And this was my jam on Alive 2. With God of Thunder, mm-hmm. this was the other song that I was like, ooh. I like that. Yeah, it's always it. one of my favorite Ace songs. Let's check it out. Shot me, put on. 
I didn't know where you were going, but I yeah. thought you would like that. No, I love that. I, I don't know what it is. I still, to this day, because this is a relatively new thing in the past few years. You love the kind of droney. God, yeah. Shoegaze. Distorted, droney stuff, right? Yeah, and I, 
I listen to a lot of that with like typo negative in the in the shop when I'm making something in the shop because I need something really heavy and loud, not real delicate. Because when you're in a workshop using power tools and you've got on hearing protection, most of it gets lost. But some of this stuff, I don't need to know all the details. It's just the vibe of the song. Right. What is the song in the '90s? Uh, was it Carpenter song? Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? And it's somebody that covered it like that, where they just slowed it. Was it not typo? No. no uh, well, they did something, but there was another. It was on the radio. Like it was a. It was a radio hit for a while, but I'm going to have to... not coming to me right no, now. No, but, but you'll remember, look that up later, but it was so slow. Like, yeah. you felt it, course, the heroin just coursing through your veins <laughs> as you injected that vein. Not that I've ever done that. Um, so, yes, thank you for that. I needed that. That was good. I think the rock and metal purists would probably absolutely hate No, that's why I was hesitant cover. to say that. I was like, hmm, this but, is going to not make people happy, you but, know you know We like, like everything. Yes. So, we like this, most things. If, we it, like if most it has things. distorted guitar yes. and it somewhat rocks, which it's okay to slow still it down. somewhat rocks, even though it's that doom level yes. kind of gothy. They took a song that is, you know, kind of a party song. Yeah. Because all Shock Kiss songs me. are kind of party Woo. songs. And they made it into this kind of just doomy, gothy. Like the party's over two hours ago. Yeah. And people are just in that haze of, oh my God, I can't believe we just did that. I love it too. <laughs> I think it's is. great. I think it's absolutely great. So I'm glad you liked it. I thought when I picked that one, like he's going to dig this one. So, okay. Do you remember two episodes ago, we were talking about a band called Minefield? Because Brandon. No, you expect me to remember. Two. Okay. Do you remember at Rock and Pod, there was yeah. a guy who had a table for a band called Minefield <laughs> and his name was Brandon Fields and we talked about the fact was that he right at the entrance as you walked in no that was he was he was down, further no, down. he was further down okay okay no. okay well anyway we talked about him like two episodes ago do you remember a guy we interviewed named <laughs> Vinny, Jeremy Asbrock what Jeremy early Asbrock. late Okay, he was part of the Talisman. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. So yes, he's yes. the guitarist. Yes. He's the guitarist in this band, Minefield. And yeah. we talked about this band, and I mentioned in that episode that the singer for that band, Minefield, is a guy named Todd Kearns. Mm-hmm. And that Todd Kearns, most KISS fans will know, because he is the guy that does the Paul Stanley vocals in the Bruce Kulick band. Mm-hmm. So Bruce Kulick, who was in KISS, he's kind of the unsung KISS guitar hero because he was in the band from 84 to 96. So he was there for the glam years and the years, and he was the guy who replaced a one-time Kiss guitarist named Mark St. John, who replaced a one-time Kiss guitarist named Vinnie Vincent. But Bruce Kulick was there for a long time, yet he's kind of... Vinnie people, Vincent has more of a name. He has more of a name, right. Than, than Bruce. Bruce. Despite Bruce was the fact he was the there for one. And yeah, done. and uh, so he started on the Animalized tour, again, replacing Mark St. John, who recorded that album, but he got some sort of hand issue, and Bruce was there to fill in. And his brother, Bob Kulick, played on some of the songs that are on a Live 2. Mm-hmm. So on a Live 2, it's not just live cuts. They have a side that is studio stuff, and Bob actually played on some of that. But didn't get credit. But didn't get credit. He was the, kind of a ghost musician. So the Kulik brothers were always part of kind of the Kiss. So uh, have they hung out with the App Peace brothers? <laughs> you need a, a <laughs> couple brothers. of brothers that play bass, and then you got a band. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, on the, one of the Kiss cruises, Bruce and Bob came on. It was Kiss Cruise 8. Bruce and Bob came on, and they did basically a, a live show of their their songs, their time in Kiss. So Bob just focused on those songs that he did with Kiss on a compilation, on a live two, and on Paul Stanley's solo album because that was Bob. And then Bruce focused on all this great '80s Kiss music that nobody's heard since the '80s because mm-hmm. they don't play that 
stuff anymore. And it was fantastic. And he had this guy, Todd Kearns, who is a Canadian artist who's, again, he's in Minefield. We talked about him a few weeks ago. You don't remember. And... <laughs> He, he had this other guy named I Zach. What I had for lunch. He had this other guy named Zach Throne that played bass, and he kind of played the Gene part. So mm-hmm. when when they needed the the vocals, these guys nailed it, and they did it live. And so here's something else I want to play that I grabbed off YouTube. But this is so awesome because what Bruce did is he would do these medleys. Now he came back. So what I'm about to play is from Kiss Cruise Nine. He came back for Kiss Cruise Nine. Bob did not because Bob has some sort of dispute with Kiss at the time, and and Bob's actually since passed away. So what I saw with Bob and Bruce was a one-time thing, and I That's saw that cool show. It's pretty that. cool to witness it. I, On a boat. I was there with Joe Polo from Podcast Rock City. We were standing side-by-side with mouths just open, like, <gasps> you know, it was amazing. So anyway, I'm going to play from Kiss Cruise 9, where he, Bruce, had the same band basically without Bob, and so he just focused on 80s Kiss. And what he did was he put together all these medleys of the albums. So it was like these 10, 15-minute blocks of Damn. a bunch of songs from a particular album Mm -hmm. or a particular era. So I'm just going to play it. I'm not going to play the whole thing because I don't want to give you 10 minutes of Animalize, but this is a section of some stuff from Animalize. Again, Bruce didn't play on this album, but this is his introduction. This was the tour he came in on, Mm -hmm. and these songs never get played. So this is pretty fantastic. So check this out. Bruce Kulik from Kiss Cruise 9. Now this is probably done with a phone, so it's not the best audio quality, but you can hear how great Todd Kearns does in singing what would be really hard for any singer to sing. Paul Stanley from the 1980s, man, he was firing. His voice was at the top of his game, so check this out.
You're absolutely right. He nailed the vocals, but he did it without sounding like Paul Stanley. And that gave it a completely different context because unfortunately I associate Paul Stanley with a good amount of Velveeta, kind of some cheesiness <laughs> that it just takes it into this is a Kiss song and without that one element. And plus it's much, much heavier than what I expect from Kiss because I didn't, I never listened to any of the 80s stuff. Yeah. That, it's, damn, pretty true. it's pretty true to the sound. Yeah. But for me though, that just... It sounds so good that the first song was almost like a new album sound, yeah. very metal-ish, that they knew how to co-opt a good thing. That's one of their talents and their skills was, oh, that sounds good. Let's go in that direction. And they did a good job of it so that they made it their own. Yeah. So that was uh, a mashup of I've Had Enough, Into the Fire, and Get All You Can Take. Now, I've Had Enough, like you said, that was one of those, in the 80s, there were a lot of uh, a lot of those albums where they would do like a fast kiss. People call it the fast kiss. So they would do yeah. like the faster, tougher song. Yeah, and then they'd have like your more glammy, and then you have your ballads, and that Put was kind the of the formula. And sex, <laughs> God. See, that's like I say, it wasn't that. This was hard right. rock metal, whatever you want to call yep. it, in that category. This damn good. Yeah, but they never ever no, touched you, those no, songs no, no, ever. No. So it's all the, to hear the that cheese. in 2019 mm-hmm. with Bruce. I mean, that is pretty fantastic. And my thing is, if Kiss wants to continue, they've talked about continuing the band after they actually retire and stop with like, other people. With other people get Todd Kearns to do yes. the Paul Stanley stuff. Yes. It's pretty amazing how good it is. It doesn't sound, like you said, just like Paul, but he hits all of the notes. Yep. And 80s Kiss, Paul Stanley, there are not many vocalists that can touch that. It's almost like Journey. Yeah. Like it's that good. And that's one of the things that stands out about 80s metal where those guys were hitting notes in the stratosphere. Oh, man. That was a sign of talent where you could just belt out 10 octaves. And yes, he, Paul still stood out amongst all those guys. Well, that is what I have for you, man. Happy birthday, Gene Simmons. Yes, happy birthday, Gene. And uh, I can't believe it's only taken 92 episodes for me to somehow finagle a way for us to talk about Kiss for a whole episode. Yeah, you've talked about him and mentioned this Almost is the first full episode. Yeah. Of kiss. Almost every episode we, we somehow bring that, Kiss yes. into it, but one, this is one the, kiss removed. This is the first time we've done the entire thing, so maybe there'll be a part two. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe next week. Let's I don't know. <laughs> go, Until then, go Google Zamfir. <laughs> go Google Zamfir. <laughs> Have a little pan flute <laughs> after pan you flute listen to with this. your dinner. All right, later, people. Peace. <laughs>